Okay, boys and girls, it's now time for Trex in Sci-Fi with the star of the show, the geek meister himself, Rico. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Trex in Sci-Fi podcast. Hiya, Jimmy boy. Scotty, beat me up. I didn't want to, Jim. Yes, I can see that. Fascinating. Please don't. You're a traitor from a race of traitors. Your father was a computer, like his son. Stand by to receive our transmission. Hello there, everyone. This is Rico, and I want to welcome everyone to the this week's edition of the Treks in Sci-Fi podcast. It's Sunday, no, or sorry, November, December fourth, two thousand and five, and this is show number fourteen. Yep, up to show number fourteen already. I've had a pretty busy week. Uh, took a day off on Friday to get a few things done trying to do a little work on my website and get a little a few things ready for uh, the holidays coming up. It's a busy time of the year and it's nice to uh, have a few vacation days left to use and and get uh, some things accomplished. So, But anyway, that's uh, enough about that. This week we've got uh, quite a lot to cover on the show. I've got the usual uh, look at a Star Trek episode that's going to be uh, coming up here shortly. We're going to look at the episode This Side of Paradise from the first season of the original series. Oh, I also want to say before I go on too much again, I am uh, still uh, tweaking and fiddling with this new uh, sound equipment that I picked up, my new uh, microphone, mixer, and all that. So still uh, optimizing the settings for all. I want to thank uh, Brian uh, over on the Extra Life podcast. I talked to him over Skype uh, earlier in the week, and it seems he has very similar equipment to, to what I picked up, so he gave me a few uh, a few tips and pointers and, and ideas that uh, he was uh, setting his stuff up for. So thanks, Brian. Thanks for that help. Uh, I appreciate it. Um, it's, uh, you know, there's there's a lot to learn with doing all this. And, for example, just one little thing is, is how far away I, I, I speak or how far away I am from the microphone when I speak. It seems, uh, you know, further away I can pick up more background noise, but if I get closer, you get a lot of those P kind of sounds across the mic, you know, the, the you know, Peter Piper, too much uh, air blowing onto the microphone. Uh, I need to pick up some kind of a little windscreen or something like that for it. I think that might help, but right now I'm maybe about, mm, about 10 inches away from the microphone, and I think that's going to be good. There's a lot of little noises going on in the background, my computer fans and the furnace is on in my house because it's cold outside where I live and a few other little quirks, quirky noises you might pick up this week. But again, uh, just wanted to mention just still optimizing the process and trying to uh, trying to make it sound as good as possible for you guys without making the file size huge. I have also a, a really squeaky chair I'm sitting in, which kind of uh, doesn't help. I don't know how much the microphone's going to pick that up, but uh, oh, um and on to away from the equipment side of things, I want to thank uh, my wife again for doing the little intro there at the beginning of the show. I hope you guys get a kick out of that. You know, she she did those in in, in fun. She you know we uh, she she knows I'm a big geek nerd about all this sci-fi and Star Trek stuff, and 
actually she likes Star Trek. We've we've seen the movies, and and her father was a big uh, or is a big fan of Star Trek, especially especially the uh, original series, like I am. So she grew up with that stuff too. So even though she kind of jokes about it, I th- I think she still kind of likes it a little. So thanks, honey, for that little promo again. But um, I, I got a couple of those. I'm going to slip them in here and there. Uh, during uh, the coming weeks uh, that she did. I'm try to get her to do a few more sometime uh, when she's in the right mood. So, All right, we're going to go uh, go on to uh, a little bit of uh, listener email. That sound is the... Uh, I've got this sounding keyboard thing on my other PC that I've got piped into the mixer and I can push a key on that keyboard. I think I talked about this maybe last week and, and make little sound effects uh, like this one. Or this. Fascinating. Or this. Scotty, beat me up. And it's kind of fun. i got to get more sounds in. Oh, the, here's my uh, especially uh, the favorite sound that I put in. The tracks in Sci-Fi Podcast. Did you hear that? Let's play that again. Let me tweak it up a little bit. The tracks in Sci-Fi Podcast. Yeah, so um, anyway, I thought that was kind of fun to have uh, to play around with. Okay, the uh, I got a couple of emails, but the only one I'm going to really discuss here uh, especially is I got an email from Jill, Jill Arroway, who is one of the people that works on the podcast The Signal, the Firefly, Firefly, Firefly podcast, which I'm a big fan of. I've listened to almost all their shows uh, from the beginning, and I really... I'm a big, big Serenity Firefly fan. I, I, I'm big Joss Whedon fan, especially. May have talked about that previously, but um, anyway, Jill had written to me and said she's a regular listener of my podcast, which I was kind of shocked and surprised at. That she said she listens to the Trex and Sci-Fi podcast. She seemed to especially enjoy the the one I did on the sci-fi movies. She liked the review I did of Forbidden Planet on that, and yeah, I. I enjoy doing that too jill i like doing that little different kind of a show and going to do a couple more of those in the future i've got an idea actually maybe to do one for uh, next week that i might do so uh, but i'll talk about that later on she said the uh the main thing she wanted to say is they're trying to get some attention and, and promos out for their uh for their podcast for serenity and and this is um they've kind of i think stopped their normal format but they're still having podcasts pop up occasionally and to try to drum up support for, I think, the DVD release on December 20th of the movie Serenity, and also to uh, to get the uh, support going for having another uh, Firefly uh, film, another Serenity Firefly film, which there was a rumor floating around the Internet this week that um, the, the rumor basically went that Universal, in association with the Sci-Fi Channel, was looking at doing a direct to the sci-fi channel movie for firefly as, as sort of the next film to do for serenity now this thing is completely unconfirmed there's no real support to this rumor yet that i and i i kind of i'm really kind of doubtful of it for a few reasons one it um there's no there's nobody really quoted in it and you know there's nobody official joss whedon i think has actually kind of denied it so and I, and I truly think they still could do another regular uh, film in the um, sorry for a uh, film for the theater. I think the first one was great, and I think with the DVD sales hit, I think they'll probably have enough funding funding for 
for doing another movie. So with um, with all that, though, what I want to do is play the, uh, the promo for uh, Jill and the crew at Serenity's uh, signal, the signal promo. And I'm going to play that for you uh, right now. Hands on knees and heads bowed down. Everybody now. This is a podcast, and what we're after is for everybody. Listen up. We're campaigning for Serenity 2. You have to give me your authorization password. Okay. Eleven podcasters with a mission. This is the captain. We may experience some slight legal difficulties and then get sued. I don't want to get sued. Here's us, on the raggedy edge. Come the day there won't be room for naughty folk like us to slip about at all. A series with a story. I'm taking Firefly into my protection here. We're conditioned for combat. Firefly is a series of extraordinary crises. The only people we're in debt to is us on this boat. Listen, do you want to stay with them? It isn't safe. Hell yes. A network wanted it dead. Every minute you keep Firefly off the air, more people will suffer. You think I care? Of course you can. Universal has gone to enormous trouble to fund your little movie. Do you know why it is you're rallying? Do you know Joss Whedon? I really don't. It's better than you know. It usually is. Where is it writ that we gotta dedicate our lives to Firefly? You wanna write this script? Yes. Well, you can't! From SerenityFirefly.com. No more running. I aim to misbehave. It's a fair bet the Fox Network knows what's coming. No, they're not gonna see this coming. On February 1st, stand up. Fight back. Do you really think any of us are gonna get a sequel? Well, I might. This is going to get pretty interesting. You find interesting. Oh God, oh God, we're all going to get high? No. Yes. No. Yes. The Signal, Season 2. The universe has got to know the truth. Are you willing to make a podcast for that? I am. Serenity is worth fighting for. Wow. Uh, that's a, a great job, guys, at The Signal. I, I love that promo. It's neat how you worked all the... Uh, little lines from the movie into your promo i liked it a lot uh only only little one little thing i thought was is just a little bit long but um other than that get me pumped for the uh for the new season of the signal it looks like they're going to start up again in february so listen up for that guys uh it's uh it, it's just a great series firefly and the movie was wonderful i wish more people had gone to see it you know, I think these days people wait for video, they wait for DVD. Uh, there's people that download the shows or download uh, the movies and junk like that. You know, it's just, I know the movies cost a lot, but I mean, when there's a, a good film, well acted, written, uh, with neat effects like they did in the movie, I, I just really find it's it's very worthwhile to go see it at the theater. So uh, I know it's pretty much gone, I think, for right now. Maybe it's some of the second-run theaters it might still be hanging around, but... Um, but there still is the movie coming up uh, on DVD in December. It's just a couple weeks away, so I'll be picking that up the day it comes out for sure. All right, the uh, the next little segment I want to get to, I got a new program that I wanted to play with a little bit uh, called Pamela for Skype. What this allows you to do, which there are a few of these around, 
and I hear my furnace is clicking on right now, so hopefully there won't be too much noise in the background. Um, what this uh, Pamela program does with Skype is it allows you to, to, on a single computer, to record your Skype calls for both the, the incoming speaker and the one that's talking at the computer. And what I'm going to do again is talk to my son, Eric, and we're going to talk about the amazingly bad recent sci-fi movie called Manticore, which we finally watched on my TiVo uh, last night. So listen to uh, Eric and I discuss Manticore over Skype using Pamela. Here it is. All right. Well, I have on the line with me again, by popular demand, uh, my son, Eric. He's on this Skype uh, Skype line, and uh, we're using this new uh, little feature called Pamela for Skype to record our call. So hopefully this will uh, this will work out pretty good and the sound okay. Uh, hey Eric, are you there? Yeah. And Can you... be- before we do anything, that that name is the weirdest name ever for any type of program. <laughs> why would you Pamela? Why would you name your Skype program Pamela? I don't know. I, I, I'm guessing that it's like whoever worked on it, their their girlfriend or their wife or something. So I don't know. But uh, hey, but it's it's actually recording a call. And the, the next thing we'll have to test is if it'll record uh, with multiple people too. But yeah, yeah, with like three or four people. So anyway, but it, it's uh, it seems to be working. So let's talk about what I wanted to get you on the on this the Skype uh, thing for was. Uh, Let's talk about uh, that sci-fi, bad sci-fi movie that we watched last night called oh Manticore. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. It's okay, horrible. well, uh, yeah, it was, it was not very good. So this was, uh, this was one of those uh, Saturday night uh, made-for-the-sci-fi-channel movies, and it was on about a week ago. We had it on our TiVo, and it's, uh, it starred uh, Robert Beltran and uh, Chase Masterson both uh, ex-Star Trek uh, actors looking for a job, I guess. But uh, basically there was this, they were over in like Iraq, and there was this weird mythological creature called the Manticore that was released, Then it was running around like ripping people up. So, uh, And then they were like these army guys running around trying to shoot it. So, But I know uh, Eric saw some of it with me, and he had a lot to say about the, the weapons and the military guys because he plays a lot of those like Call of Duty games and... So what did you think about those guys in the in the movie, Eric, and their guns yeah, being, and stuff? <laughs> the big so go ahead. Military, big mili- military buff that I am with the whole uh, video games and everything. Yeah, everything about basically, um, the, it looked like like a two thousand dollar budget movie. They spent more money on like editing and the, yeah. the cameras that they used than. They actually did on costumes and things like that. Like, they're running around with little frag grenades that look like little plastic toys you would get from, like, Walmart as a kid. And, like, they're, yeah. they're like, their M16s are not even holding them correctly. The iron sights aren't on the right angle. Everything about the movie just looked like, you know, wasn't very realistic at all. Like, uh, I think there was a part where the guy's, like, standing in the bar and the uh, manticore comes down and swipes him and then like one hit he like knocks out like a bunch of blood splattered across his mirror which is like impossible i don't know how you shoot that much blood out of your body that quickly i don't know yeah it like, yeah it was yeah so what did what else about the guns you know i know you didn't like the uh were they like loaded or not loaded i mean you kept saying they didn't oh, have god. any like, bullets in oh them. <laughs> gosh they were <laughs> oh 
God, the M16s and the M4s, whatever they were using, um, the clips they had in them looked like they could only ha hold 10 bullets. Like, they weren't even having, they didn't have the right clips and the right uh, uh, weapon. And some guy had, like, a saw, like a squad automatic weapon. And um, yeah, the ammo, the yeah. ammo box for that has a chain of bullets that comes out of one side and wraps into the chamber. And he didn't even have, they didn't have that bullet wrapped into the chamber at all. There wasn't anything coming out of yeah. the ammo box. It was so they need to hire hire you. The Sci-Fi Channel needs to hire you to be their to next. They need to just hire uh, someone that's from like the military and actually ask them some sensible questions about the guns that are using. Yeah. Yeah, just anyone, even if they even played sound right. Yeah, the sounds were like, kind of bad. They yeah, like they uh, didn't even. There's a, a part where there was like the reporter or whatever, and she like yeah. wanted to run away, and they all, some person pulled a gun on a, a pistol on her, and to scare her and not into not running away towards the manicure, they she like shot the ceiling. It sounded like the pistol had a silencer on it. Oh right, right. Yep. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, the the guns in the military, I mean, uh, the movie was pretty bad even besides all that. I mean, basically they just ran around and they slowly got picked off one by one and they even called in a, called in like an airstrike to, to take out the manticore and of course that didn't do anything and they, they're shooting it even with their bad guns and all that through the whole movie and, and it's not doing anything to it. it. It doesn't seem to be affected by the bullets or it could regenerate or something. And, yeah, yeah it was, it was... Like it was pretty bad. They're like, yeah, it was, they're uh, sitting there like they pump like twelve bullets into it, and they suddenly realize that's not working. But they run off yeah. and reload and try again. Yeah, yeah, and it was. Uh, they, uh, I don't know who who writes or who makes these decides to make these movies, but uh, you know they did that Dungeons and Dragons sequel kind of one from a few weeks ago. That was on. I don't, I don't think you watched much of that with me, but that no, one wasn't I didn't watch too any bad. Of that. I mean that one wasn't that bad. I, you know, it was it was sort of watchable. I mean there was some fun stuff in it, but uh, but this one though was just just it was up there with that other Mansquito, which I didn't watch any of that really. But well, that was it cool. was you know, yeah. So uh, but they uh, they can't even get the guns right, so that's pretty bad. And and they didn't they can't uh, even do. Didn't I seem mean, to do. it's just like classic bad movie. Like they like. I just, they're so ignorant that, like, their bullets aren't working, mm -hmm. but they try, you know, they think more bullets, that will work. Yeah, yeah, that's that's always the thing, you know, if it, if they shoot it two or three times and it doesn't help, well, let's just get two guns, like that one guy shooting the thing with, with yeah, both pistols. with, out. like, double pistols or whatever, and then you kept saying yeah. people were, like, making these little, like, uh, kind of, like, notes that they were, they were, like, loved their family and stuff, and you were, like, sitting there, like, oh, they're I'm, dead. I'm... And then like 10 I'm getting a lot later, of. Uh, are you running anything else on your computer, Eric? Because I'm getting a lot no. of interference. You, you're like you keep dropping out occasionally, but maybe it's this. You keep Pamela cracking thing. up too. I noticed that hmm. with you too. I think it's a problem. Okay, well, uh, well, we're gonna sign off. We talked more than enough about that bad Manticore movie. So Horrible if it ever movie. shows up again, anyone out don't there listening it. to the to the show today, uh, don't watch Manticore. Ever. Avoid Manticore ever. Yeah, just Never. just uh, you know. Sit there and pick uh, lint out of your navel or something instead of watching Manticore. But okay, I thanks, agree. Eric. We'll talk to you again All sometime right. about something be better. I'm sure. Uh, okay, yeah. bye, Eric. All okay, right, see ya. talk to you later. Bye, bud. Bye. Okay, thanks for talking to me, Eric. That was a 
good time, good times. Uh, as my buddy uh, Scott Johnson likes to say all the time at uh, the Extra Life podcast, good times, good times. So anyway, we're now going to shift gears a little bit. We got through all the um, the info on Serenity and the uh, the Signal podcast and talked with Eric about Manticore. So now we're going to switch into the uh, big normal segment, which is looking at a uh, a back look at a original Star Trek episode. This episode we're going to look at today is called This Side of Paradise. It's from the first season of the original series. This was written, uh, the story was by actually uh, DC Fontana with Nathan Butler, and let me look here again, I have it written down, Jerry Saul, yeah, story by Nathan Butler, Jerry Saul, and DC Fontana with uh, the teleplay, or the script basically written by DC Fontana, who also did last week's uh, Star Trek episode that I talked about, which, um, Journey to Babel. This is again, uh, and I say this over and over, one of my favorite stories, one of my favorite episodes of Star Trek uh, of all time for a lot of reasons, and I'm going to talk about those here uh, during the show, during the podcast. But first, I'm going to play the little one-minute promo. Again, This, the promos for the original series were not all that great. Um, part of it is that you know the stories a lot of times had so much good dialogue and information in them, but it seems like in the promos what I'm noticing is they show a lot of little action scenes, you know, the the fights, the battles, and things like that. So those don't come off real well when I play the audio. But I'm going to play, play it anyway. So uh, here we go uh, with that. Get my mixer set. And here we go. Captain's log, stardate 3417.3. Omicron SETI 3. We had expected to find no survivors. These people shouldn't be alive. Is it possible that they're not? This is Layla Colomi, our botanist. Lieutenant, put me through to Admiral Comac in Starfleet. Oh, I'm sorry, Captain. I can't do that. (laughs) I said get back to your station. No, sir. This is mutiny, mister. Yes, sir. This is Spock. Yes, what did you want? We're evacuating. No, I don't think so. You mutinous, disloyal, computerized half-breed. We'll see about you deserting my ship. Okay, so we're discussing now this side of paradise. And I'm sorry, I'm still working the knobs on the... uh, Ooh, that didn't sound right. Working the knobs on my mixer. This uh, this is a first season episode, and you can see a lot of things in this episode that um, were just being fleshed out. Uh, a lot of the things, background on Spock, uh, a little bit on Dr. McCoy, Kirk, of course, in there real heavily. The, um, the basic storyline is that they go to the, investigate this planet, and there are these colonists that should be dead by all accounts because there's this radiation being bombarded there and they expect to find them all dead but uh, surprisingly they find all these people alive on the planet uh, Elias Sandoval and uh, this botanist uh, Layla is on the planet and she seems to know Mr. Spock but before we get too far into that um, just want to give you a few other little background tidbits for this episode one of the things I like about this one especially is the fact that it's done 
you know, outside primarily on the planet's surface, just like Shore Leave was done, This Side of Paradise, uh, Arena, Return of the Archons. You know, lots lots of episodes of the original series were done like that on location out, you know, basically in, in a lot of similar, you know, Southern California filming locations that they used at this time. And, and one of the things that... Again, I enjoy the other Star Trek series, but one of the things that I wish they had done more was that kind of stuff. And I know it's very costly, um, but you know they managed to do it on a shoestring type budget back in the '60s. So I, you know, I wish some of the next generation, some of the later series, had done you know location type stuff. Uh, it just seems more realistic to me than always on the ship uh, and having episodes that just are ship bound, where the original series had. A, you know, the vast majority, I think, of the episodes were really were away from the ship, and that—that's one of the things I really like about this particular episode. Of course, the uh, the great thing about this one is the spores that basically make people kind of go all like loopy and um, start behaving a little bit strangely, don't care about anything. You know, this this episode is really kind of an allegory, a little bit. Was, I'm not sure. I guess that's the right word, allegory, but it's a. You know, again, a, a very much a product of the 1960s, and it's sort of a sort of a drug type episode in a way. I mean, you know, basically these spores that hit the crew uh, are, are basically turn them all kind of like the naked time, where they all turn drunk. I mean, they just don't care about things anymore. They're all like, you know, free love, and Mr. Spock falls in love with uh, Layla, and you know, he's all his emotions are out, or his control of his emotions are out the window again, and the. Um, the neat thing again about that kind of situation in Star Trek especially and well any show I guess that uh, you get some really good insights about the characters about Dr. McCoy, Captain Kirk uh, Mr. Spock and it's very much like the naked time in the fact that that, uh, that Kirk is really really hooked into the Enterprise and his ship and you'll see later I'll play a couple of clips but you know he can't give that up that is his paradise basically Obviously, for for Spock, his paradise is, is is meeting, you know, falling in love and not having to contain himself and control his emotions and things. Let me play another clip here. I'm going to play the clip where uh, Spock first uh, gets infected with. Uh, actually, no, sorry, that one's not right. I'm going to do the. Uh, there's a little intro clip where they first meet up with Layla at the beginning of the show. So I'm going to play uh, play that one now. Layla, come meet our guests. This is Layla Colomi, our botanist. It's Captain Kirk, Dr. McCoy, Mr. Spock. Mr. Spock and I have met before. It's been a long time. Okay, there uh, you meet uh, Layla. Sorry, I'm still adjusting the mixer. That's um, Layla, played by uh, Layla Colomi, played by Jill Ireland, who was married to uh, Chuck Bronson for, uh, you know, for years and years. I think she passed away a few years ago, unfortunately. But she just is is perfect for this part. Uh, you don't really get a real sense of her, you know, ability with botany. Well, I guess except for she, you know, introduces Spock to these spore plants, but. But she, you know, the way they light her in this episode, you know, they did this a lot with uh, on Star Trek with the different women that would come in in the different shows. They would light them from behind and almost make them glow. They did it with Edith Keeler in City on the Edge of Forever. 
They do it with Layla in this one. Uh, there's just lots of times where they, they, the way they play with the light and the glow, I mean, they almost make these uh, women on the show look angelic, kind of, which is pretty interesting. But she's she's just dead on perfect for this. You can you can really get a sense in that scene there when she first uh, meets up with Spock again, and he has a little look, and Kirk gives him a look, and or Kirk gives Spock a look. But just you, you can tell he uh, he you know Kirk or Spock, sorry, Spock. He uh, something deep down he keeps it of course hidden, but somewhere deep down he definitely has some kind of feelings for her. And, you know, she was in the sciences. She's a botanist, and, and Spock, is obvious, obvious, bleh, bleh. Spock is obviously a scientist. So there, there's some history that you could easily put together there. You know, they worked on some lab, you know, in labs or something somewhere. Anyway, not really that critical, but just a quick little scene of about a half a minute there. They just show you a lot, and it is a good prelude to what happens in the, um, in the next clip I'm going to play which is when she introduces him to the uh, the spore. So we'll play that uh, clip for you uh, right about now. The spores. Spores? belong to all of us and we to you there's no need to hide your inner face any longer we understand Okay, the uh, the uh, great thing about that scene, and I probably don't even really have to point a lot of these things out, but that's what I do on the show. The great thing there is you can see the struggle again, just like in the naked time of, you can see the struggle of Mr. Spock, and these, these spores are trying to basically say, hey, cut loose, take it easy, bud. You know, relax, let all the emotions hang out. And for the humans, of course, it's not a big deal. I mean, we're about, you know... Uh, just a tiny percentage away from losing it most of the time anyway. I mean, it doesn't take much. Just go driving down the road lately, and you can see people just going nuts out there, especially at the holidays. So, um, you know, it's... it's um, the, the good thing there, again, was he's a Vulcan, and it's difficult. You know, he he's not built to let his emotions out, so that's a struggle and a difficult situation for him. The... Uh, the neat thing there also, again, is is the music. Uh, and I've said this before numerous times, the original series, 
the way they use music, you can even hear kind of like a heartbeat in that in that little clip I played, and and the intensity there that Spock and and the trouble he's going through, and and how these spores are trying to affect him, and and you know you could almost you could almost get away with with using just music in a lot of these scenes. Uh, telephone. Sorry, pausing. You know, sometime I'm going to uh, just rip my telephone off the wall because it seems like anymore it just rings at times. It's very uh, annoying. Anyway, so I was talking about Spock and the spores and how much the music shows you what's going on in that scene. And again, that is is a lot different than in, in the later Star Trek series. You know, they use music, of course, but not not nearly to the effectiveness that they did in this in this in the original series. Excuse me. Again, so Spock is infected, and I'm not going to go blow by blow through the episode, but I'm going to play another clip where you get a little sense of after Dr. McCoy is infected with... Oh, sorry. Um, yeah, that's one I'm going to play next. I got all these clips lined up here, and I, I'm trying to remember the order I wanted to play them in. Yeah, we're going to do the McCoy one where uh, he's infected, even though that takes place after some of the other clips. But I like it because it's another... shows you what these spores are doing to the different crew members. So we'll play that uh, right uh, turning up the volume right now. Hiya, Jimmy boy. Hey, I've taken care of everything. Now, all y'all got to do is just relax. Doctor's orders. How many of those did you beam up? Oh, must be, might not own a hundred by now. Hey, Doc, I'm ready to energize. Everything okay with those plants? This is the captain. Beam me up. Well, sure, if you want. I most certainly do. Energize. Yeah, that uh, that's a good little part there with uh, Doctor McCoy. You know, he's uh, you never really get a sense that you know McCoy is from the South down in Georgia, and that's his backstory. But you don't really hear that or get a sense of that, except for this. Maybe this is probably one of the single episodes, a little bit in shore leave. Uh, but uh, this one, he talks about making a mint julep and just taking it easy. And I think he's got a piece of straw stuck in his stuck between his teeth for part of the episode just little touches like that are perfect i like his you know jimmy boy and and his little accent that he's got going there and he's grinning and smiling you know deforest kelly was just just so good in in the role of dr mccoy and this episode shows that greatly um the next thing i was going to play next clip is um there's a, a little scene and it happened actually before you see the scene with mccoy but this is a scene between Kirk and uh, Mr. Spock on the communicator where Kirk is trying to get a hold to find out, hey, where's Spock? Uh, and this is, of course, after Spock's been infected and, and he's off uh, playing around out in the forest there with Layla. So I'll play that uh, clip for you next here. Let me get it queued up, and here we go. Spock! Yes, what did you want? Spock, is that you? Yes, Captain. What did you want? Where are you? I don't believe I want to tell you. Uh, Spock, I don't know what you think you're doing, but this is an order. Report back to me at the settlement in ten minutes. We're evacuating all colonists to Starbase 27. No, I don't think so. You don't think so what? I don't think so, sir. Spock, report to me immediately. Spock, 
knowledge. Spark. The frequency is open, but he doesn't answer. That didn't sound at all like Spark, Jim. No. I thought you said you might like him if he mellowed a little. I didn't say that. You said that. I. Not exactly. Well, he might be in trouble. Again, again, a very uh, good, good little clip there with uh, Kirk and uh, you know, basically uh, Spock saying, "Yeah, I, what'd you want anyway?" You know, like he didn't want to talk to him. And uh, some days when I'm at work and somebody calls on my phone or the cell or something like that, I feel the same way. You know, hey, you know, don't bug me. I'm, I'm, I'm doing something. So uh, as you can tell, I'm a little anti-phones. Basically, I, I don't know. It's just. I, I'd rather I'm in the traditional, like, uh, don't call me, I'll call you kind of person. Uh, I guess because a lot of times the calls are, are junk or not that, that important. But I'm, I'm digressing a, a bit there. So now you've got uh, Spock infected, McCoy. You saw his Southern, southern Gentleman kind of style. The, um, the you know, the, the great thing about this, this again, this show is, is how many of the different crew members you feel or you feel you see and, and get to learn about their inner inner workings a little bit more. Here's an interesting little aside that I, when I was doing a little background work for looking at this episode, the the main idea of this episode to begin with when it was first written was that the the main person that was infected and that, that started to influence everyone else was not Mr. Spock, but was Sulu. And he was the one that had a, had a kind of an old girlfriend here, named Layla and he had known and he's the one that gets infected and that's what leads to a lot of the other things of course that happened in this episode and they changed that uh with with a lot of good reason you know not that it would have you know would have been interesting with Sulu especially since he didn't get a lot of episodes to shine in but you know Spock you know being affected by these spores is just a perfect fit I mean I'm kind of surprised since this was something that messed with your emotions and messed with your inhibitions and things that they never really, you know, that they didn't do Spock to begin with. But, you know, Spock as a character and all the characters in this about middle of the first season, they were all still being fleshed out a little bit. But um, so that's uh, so that's a little bit of background there for you. You know, it was going to be Sulu and not Spock for uh, who was going to be the one and mainly infected. Of course, eventually all the crew just about as infected. Next clip I'm going to play is with Spock uh, up in a tree. So we're going to play that for you right now. Are you out of your mind? You were told to report to me at once. I didn't want to, Jim. Yes, I can see that. Miss Colombo, you'll have to... Come back with us to the settlement and prepare to transport up to the ship. There'll be no evacuation, Jim. But perhaps we should go back and get you straightened out. Mr. Sulu, Mr. Spark is under arrest and he's in your custody until we get back to the Enterprise. Very well. Come with me. The, uh... (laughs) It's just that scene just cracks me up, you know. Spock's up there hanging from a tree for, you know, whatever reason. I just like that it's just so un un Spock. It's so not Spock. 
he's always very proper and you know walking around hands behind his back and he's up there hanging from a tree this girl's kind of you know googly eyeing spock and kirk walks by and he's got this you know william shatner just does a great job in this episode like i think he does in just about every episode of the original series but uh, he's just got this expression like what the heck aren't you a vulcan what are you what are you doing up in this tree and it's just it's just perfect and you know they they do little things he could have just obviously just been standing there and they could have run into him but um that scene is a is one of my favorites in this episode you know that they're you know spock and or kirk is so beside himself about spock and what he's what's going on with him so the um oh i wanted to say mention one other one other little tidbit for this episode there's a scene where uh the crew is basically back on the enterprise or, or kirk's back up there and they're all kind of abandoning and waiting to transport down and Kirk goes up to this guy and says, you know, where, what's going on here? You can't be leaving and all that. And, and Kirk says, this is mutiny, mister. And, and the guy says, yes, sir, it is. Well, the guy named uh, guy named Eddie Paskey is the one that responds to Kirk in line there. And he was uh, William Shatner's stunt double during most of uh, the original series. And he doesn't he, – you see him in different episodes in different scenes. Sometimes he's on the bridge, you know, in, in the navigation position or different places. But uh, – he doesn't ever usually get a line, and I think this is one of the few, if not the only time, he ever got a line on on Star Trek. So that, yeah, if you notice that little scene there, right before they're all transporting down, I th- think he's. Uh, you can even see in that scene that he's. Um, he he looks quite a bit like William Shatner. Uh, he's got the right kind of haircut and that kind of thing, and about the right size and build. So, but he was uh, William Shatner's stunt double. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, so we'll move on a little bit. Um, of course, uh, you know, the whole crew gets infected, and so the um, then Kirk gets infected, and this is really the, the, the key moment in this in this episode where the spores, and, you know, they're not really that intelligent things, I guess, or who knows, but they, they made a big mistake here because uh, they take over or try to uh, infect uh, Kirk, Captain Kirk. And this makes him say, hey, you know, who cares about the Enterprise? Who cares about all responsibility? I'm going to come down and, you know, play in the woods like Spock is doing. So let's listen to uh, this little clip about uh, how that goes down with uh, Captain uh, Captain Kirk. No. I can needs anger. Captain's log supplemental. I think I've discovered the answer. Carry out my plan entails considerable risk. Mr. Spock is much stronger than the ordinary human being. Aroused, his great physical strength could kill. But it's a risk I'll have to take. Of course, it's a risk. The, um, you know, Kirk says that a lot, but that, you know, it's obviously true. And you can, 
again, you know, great scene there. He's he's struggling with he knows if he leaves the Enterprise, he'll no one can come back because you know there's nobody around the transporter that can't do it remotely. Blah blah blah, um, and he can't do it. He can't give up the Enterprise. That is his paradise. That is his his life. His his world. And he he is that's his best destiny, like Spock tells him in in Star Trek uh, Star Trek Two the movie. And he is that's that's the perfect fit for him, and that's the spore is basically you know they kind of goofed up there, and they're just um, so he learns of course these strong emotions can destroy these spores. And the next clip I'm going to play is what happens after that. Once he learns that Spock he he tricks Spock to come up to the ship. And then one of the one of the greatest scenes in this episode, or maybe the greatest scenes in some of the early Star Trek episodes, that takes place. Listen to this. All right, you mutinous, disloyal, computerized half breed. We'll see about you deserting my ship. The term half breed is somewhat applicable, but computerized is inaccurate. A machine can be computerized, not a man. What makes you think you're a man? You're an overgrown jackrabbit, an elf with a hyperactive thyroid. Shit. I don't understand. Of course you don't understand. You don't have the brains to understand. All you have is printed circuits. Captain, if you'll excuse me. What can you expect from a simpering, devil-eared freak whose father was a computer and his mother an encyclopedia? My mother was a teacher. My father, an ambassador. Your father was a computer, like his son. An ambassador from a planet of traitors. The Vulcan never lived who had an ounce of integrity. Captain, please don't... You're a traitor from a race of traitors. Disloyal to the core. Rotten, like the rest of your subhuman race. And you've got the gall to make love to that girl. That's enough. Does she know what she's getting, Spock? A carcass full of memory banks who should be squatting in a mushroom instead of passing himself off as a man. You belong in a circus, Spock. Not a starship. Right next to the dog-faced boy. Okay, it's uh, bad news to make, uh, make a Vulcan upset, as you can see, or as you can hear there. So, Kirk, of course, uh, great lines there. And, and again, you even find out a little bit about Spock and his background. You know, his his father was an ambassador, his mother a teacher, which which this comes, they, they don't ignore that. They use that in Journey to Babel when uh, Amanda and Sarek show up. So that, again, great stuff. Uh, it's, it's interesting. It's pretty amazing. You know, Kirk comes up with all these little lines, you know, about, uh, you know, he's an elf with a hyperactive thyroid and, you know, he just, he really rips into Spock, and it's, uh, you can, great performance there by Leonard Nimoy, you can tell he's getting more and more upset, and and he just, uh, especially when he gets, starts talking about uh, Layla and bringing up points about that, and you can, you can see, and, and then of course, um, later in that little, in the little scene after they fight, and Spock shakes off the influence of the spores, of course, you know, Kirk's saying uh, to him, like, hey, I didn't understand or didn't know how much it would take to get underneath that thick skin of yours, although it's about a minute worth of, of you know, ripping into him before he starts whacking on him. So uh, good scene, good scene, good stuff. But um, 
And that's about, that's mainly it. I'm going to play one little clip, one final clip for um, this episode for This Side of Paradise. A wonderful show. The music, the, the performances, the script, just everything comes together really, really well in this show. But this is the, uh, you know, another neat thing that they usually did in the original series was they always had these little scenes on the bridge, typically with Kirk, Spock, and McCoy, how they wrapped up the episode. And I always liked that stuff. I, I, I wish they had continued that a little bit more. They did it occasionally in some of the other Star Trek series. But, you know, there was always sort of a message. And, you know, they didn't really hit you too hard over the head with it in, in the in the original series. But there's usually something going on in the episode that uh, Gene Roddenberry or the people writing it or a combination were trying to make a point of. And, you know, similar themes. But th- this this really, this little clip really sums up this episode uh pretty well i think so let me play that for you um right now well that's the second time man's been thrown out of paradise no no this time we walked out on our own maybe we weren't meant for paradise maybe we were meant to fight our way through struggle claw our way up scratch for every inch of the way maybe we can't stroll to the music of the loot We must march to the sound of drums. Poetry, Captain. Non-regulation. We haven't heard much from you about Omicron Seti III, Mr. Spock. I have little to say about it, Captain. Except that... for the first time in my life... I was happy. That's just, uh... It's a really good... good way to end the show, um... For this side of paradise, you know, Spock, you can just get the, you know, sense from him there enough that he's, he's, you know, he has some remorse about what he gave up to do this. I mean, he, he has his duties or duties and responsibility to the Enterprise, to Captain Kirk, to uh, Starfleet, and those take uh, precedent for him. But he is, he is somewhat sad with what he had to pass up and give up to, to be and do what he has to do. So that's. Um, that's that episode of Star Trek. And again, if you haven't seen it in a while, I, I played a lot of it here today. So I, I really urge you to see it and, you know, grab a friend or somebody who's never seen a Star Trek episode. I, I really, really think that, um, you know, Star Trek has got this kind of somewhat of a stigma and a history and, and a lot of things around it. You know, it, it's it's just a multi-million dollar business industry and so forth. But back when the original series was on, it wasn't quite like that. And I think a lot of people these days maybe shy away from it a little bit because of, because of those things that have been attached to it over the years. But I, I do think that if you grab somebody who is kind of like, you know, maybe at least they're a little on the border of it and, and they go, you know, if they're willing to give it a shot, I think if you show them some of these episodes, especially some of the ones that I've been talking about over the past uh, several podcasts uh, that I've been doing the show, you know, something like This Side of Paradise or City on the Edge of Forever or Shore Leave. Um, you know, my kids, frankly, aren't really into Star Trek, but I show them some of those episodes, and they, and they like them. And these things are, you know, 40 years old, and they hold up. The stories are still there. They're still strong. The performances, they're, they're sort of timeless. And, you know, I'm just saying, you know, get, get somebody you think that might not be really that into it. Rent an episode if you don't have them or buy a, a set or whatever. And, and show them a couple of these shows, and, and I think they'll they'll enjoy them. I mean, if still, even though I've seen a lot of these uh, many, many times, it's still tons better than, than most of the stuff on television these days, most of the movies and things like that. I mean, these, these people, uh, 
cared about each other. They meant something to each other. They struggled and they overcame things and there's just a lot going forward. I mean, I, I obviously am a big fan, but so that's enough about my uh, preaching, you know, go watch some Star Trek episodes. We're going to take a little break. And when I come back, I'm going to talk about the, my uh, replica for the week, which is going to be a, a replica of the universal translator as seen in the original series, something that I kind of built and put together. So we'll come right back after the short break. Accessing library computer data. This computer terminal provides full access to the LCARS computer net. It can be operated both by voice and keypad commands. Okay, I'm back. Um, I'm going to talk this week for my replica. I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, the uh, Universal Translator. Now, the Universal Translator uh, replica or the, the prop itself was used in a couple of episodes of the original series. Primarily, it was used in the episode Metamorphosis with Zephram Cochran and the Companion episode. That was where it was actually kind of first created by uh, Mr. Spock. But I think it's a wonderful, um, wonderful device that they used to, to basically, you know, kind of explain away. Well, how can they communicate with all these alien species when you know what everyone in the galaxy basically speaks English? So they created this universal translator to sort of get past that. This uh, replica that I've gotten, I'll put, there'll be some pictures, of course, on the um, podcast notes page. This is a uh, a kit that I actually picked up on the replica prop form from a, a guy that makes these, and basically it was you know the basic components of it: aluminum tube, uh, some detailing, and not a lot really to build it. But what I added mainly to the piece was the electronics. And in the episode, it kind of flashes when it's being spoken into, and I. I had a few pieces of electronics, and I tried to rig up a way to do that, but I had trouble fitting a small enough speaker into the item, so I kind of gave up on that. Basically, I just put in some flashing LED lights, a switch, battery holder, and all that inside the piece, and then uh, I have a little switch on the outside that you can flip it on and off, so it doesn't really go with your voice anymore, or this this replica doesn't like it did on the show, but it gives you the same kind of an effect. Um, it's a metal, uh, all metal construction tube with uh, a plastic little plate on the front that I, I colored to match the uh, the show. Uh, oh, the other episode the Universal Translator is sort of featured in, although it's a little different version of it, different look, is the episode Arena with the Gorn. Uh, it's an item that Kirk is given to, and it's sort of to record what's going on with him in the episode, but it also translates the voices between the Gorn, Captain, and Kirk. To each other, so but a metamorphosis was really the the main main episode that it was shown in with uh, Zephram Cochran, like I said in the companion. But this is a metal piece. I've got a little case for it. I still need to get a little nameplate to put in front of the uh, the item. And uh, it's a neat it's a neat little item. The thing I like about it is it's, it's not it's not one of the typical uh, items that you see for you know that are available easily that are the main components that I've talked about on previous shows like the phaser communicator tricorder this one's a little more offbeat and I, I'm going to try to slowly I'm trying to work up and get uh, more of these kind of items in in my collection I've got a few other ones that I've got to put some photos up on the website uh, speaking of that I, I'm making some changes and additions to that section the collection photo section on my webpage at uh, www.trek.com sf.com or just treksinsci-fi.com 
So take a look if you get a chance. Uh, try to get some photos, new photos up uh, shortly or some additional ones, and I'm redesigning that area on the web page. Uh, but I've got, uh, like, I've got a Gary 7 from Assignment Earth, his little uh, servo pen thing that he uses in that episode. I've got a replica of that. You know, those little things are, are kind of neat to have, things that weren't um, used in every episode, like the communicator, the phaser, and so on. But the universal translator piece, nice little thing to have. Uh, wasn't really expensive. I, I like having the time to to build the, the items when I, when I do have the chance to do that. I did that with uh, one of the tricorders that I have. I did it with this piece, and I, I used to do it quite a bit more, especially since these replicas weren't really available to just purchase. But uh, I find my time is a lot more limited. I do this, you know, I do this podcast every week that takes me forever, it seems. So uh, spend most of the weekend on uh, on that. But um, anyway, uh, I'll, uh, you may have noticed I'm playing this little bridge sequence of, of sounds in the back of. Uh, this section of the podcast i'm trying to perfect you know having some background music on some of the parts of the show without having it overpower my voice too much or be too distracting so i know i've gotten a few emails about and a few comments on the forums that uh you know the music was a little distracting or that you know some people liked it some people didn't i think the trick is basically keeping it at a low enough volume that it doesn't overpower the voice and it's um doesn't really distract too much so but I'm going to kind of dial that down, I think, a little bit now. The last few things I wanted to mention for this week's show, this week's podcast, uh, are just some general uh, announcements. First off, again, I mentioned the, the website. I'm doing some changes on that. I'm trying to streamline it, make it a little bit nicer and easier to read with photos, and the forums are there and, and all. So please take a look at that if you get a chance, if you're interested, especially, of course, the podcast notes section I, I've redesigned and Take a look at that if you're interested in, in a little more information about what went on in this uh, particular podcast, although this week's show has been pretty straightforward. The other thing I wanted to mention, it's it's a new month, it's December, and I would uh, greatly appreciate anyone who is enjoying these podcasts to go over to Podcast Alley and slide a vote in for the Treks in Sci-Fi podcast. There is a link for a direct link to, to voting if you go to the podcast notes page. On my website, there's a direct link on the right-hand side there to to go to Podcast Alley, and it'll get you directly to the Treks and Sci-Fi page there, and you can make the vote. And you just gotta confirm it when you get your email. So the uh, you know there's a bunch of other ones, the Yahoo Podcast List, and and there's just a billion of them out there. But I'm only really you know Podcast Alley. I'm kind of sticking to that one for right now. I it seems like everyone's really jumping on this whole podcast thing to some you know to some degree, some more than others, but the uh, the votes over there for Podcast Deli, I'd appreciate anyone. Uh, I've got a few already for December, and that's nice. And anyone who could uh, toss a couple more in my way, that would be great. So, And I will probably not ask again, at least until the following, uh, until we get to January, which will be 2006. Oh, my goodness. That's coming up really soon. So, And I think that's, uh, that's going to about do it. I'm going to maybe slide another mini cast in this week. Uh, uh, maybe uh, midweek or so. I've got a little audio that my son and I went out shopping a little bit yesterday, which we had kind of a fun time, and we might might throw that out on the uh, on the feed. So take a look for that coming up this week. Last, I just want to say uh, I really appreciate everyone listening to this podcast. I know there there are lots of podcasts out there, lots to choose from these days. I, I keep 
usually maybe every couple of weeks I'll check out a new one of somebody said, hey, check this one out and listen to it. Uh, one thing that's a video blog type podcast that I've been enjoying is this thing called Rocket Boom. And it's completely difficult to describe, but uh, if you get a chance, go to www.rocketboom.com. It's about a three or four minute video blog segment each week that they do and it's it's a lot of fun they do a lot of different things on there and uh, i like the host and she does a fun good job on that so check that out if you get a chance Uh, i think that's it rico has talked plenty for this morning on a sunday and my voice is going i need some drink need some gatorade need something so i again uh, just hope everyone's been enjoying this week's show and the previous and in the future come back next week uh oh yeah next next week's show we're going to talk about uh, another uh, Star Trek episode. I'm going to go way back. Uh, we're going to talk about, which which I probably should have talked about this one um, much earlier on, but I, I've been kind of holding off and kind of going in a little bit random order. But we're going to talk about the second pilot episode, which was called Where No Man Has Gone Before. That's what next week's episode or next week episode that we'll look at for the podcast is going to be. And the replica that I'm going to look at is a Star Wars item, actually. Something I recently just got, which is um, it's the Rebel Blaster used in uh, New Hope, used in the opening scene of that when, when Vader jumps aboard uh, the Princess Leia's ship. And all those blasters that all those guys in those funny little helmets are wearing, uh, or funny little helmets, the guys that, that are trying to you know defend against the Stormtroopers, they're all holding these blasters, and I've got one of those from Master Replica. So that's next week's replica. So Where No Man Has Gone Before and the Rebel Blaster is what, what next week's show is going to mainly be about. So, And I've been, what, like rambling and saying goodbye for uh, five minutes here. So, hey, everyone, have a, have a great week. Uh, be careful out there if you're shopping. It's nuts. Uh, I prefer the shopping that involves a mouse and my keyboard, basically, as much as possible. So, uh Enjoy the week, everyone. We'll talk to you at Treks in Sci-Fi for uh, next week's show. Thanks. is Rico signing off. Have a good week, everyone. Bye-bye. This has been a Rick Dosti production. 